Okay guys, just a quick note before you start listening to this podcast, we don't have music in here because there was a small fire in the building that I, I work out of and our unit's fine, but we needed to get out for a little bit and I grabbed all my drives except for my music one accidentally. So there's no music on this one. It's a bonus episode and I hope you really enjoy it. Here's the interview about the strange ones. Welcome to The Cutting Room, the official podcast of AOTG.com and today we've got well, we've got two people on the line here. We have Christopher Radcliffe and Lauren Wolkstein, and we're going to be discussing the film that they directed and edited titled The Strange Ones. This film has been doing the festival circuit, including South by Southwest, the Denver Festival, and many others. We're going to be discussing with them how they worked with the actors, how they got the footage in, worked with the footage, and how this film went from a short film to a feature film. With all that said, here's my interview with the directorial team of The Strange Ones. So... I guess first off, how did you start this project or how did you sort of come up with this idea for this project and then translate it to a feature film? Uh, <laughs> we met in film school. Lauren and I went to film school together at Columbia in New York, the grad program there. And, you know, we were both sort of in the directing concentration and we like were classmates for a number of years. And we just both really liked each other and were sort of like liked each other's work and kind of you know we were getting towards the end of our time there we were about to graduate and we both sort of wanted to make one more movie um and so lauren had the idea to collaborate and to do something together like split the cost it was going to be something really tiny and kind of like uh just to sort of keep working and keep directing and making movies and stuff while we could and we started kind of like trying to come up with ideas for shorts that we thought we could do relatively cheaply and quickly and with certain like limitations. So, so with the short, um, which was the genesis of the strange ones, the, the short film called the strange ones, we, we had initially decided like, let's come up with an idea that is like a really kind of, how should I say it? Like a, something that's like kind of like only has a couple of characters, one location and, you know, wouldn't be that expensive. And it ended up becoming a lot bigger than we initially set out to do, but when we decided to collaborate, those were kind of the parameters that we set. And then, you know, once we started, I think I had been researching kidnappings and kind of disappearances and stuff for a feature script that I was writing. And this kind of idea for The Strange Ones where you meet these two travelers and basically the idea sort of started with like everything. You meet this boy and this older guy and you think one thing at the beginning of the film and then by the end of the film, you're given reason to question everything that you thought at the beginning. So... That's kind of where the, I guess, the very first sort of impulse of the idea came from. Um, and from there, like, you know, just researching more, like all these sort of like true crime stories kind of caught our interest and became the basis for the characters um, and their backstories and, and the sort of sort of emotional backstory of what was going on in the story. And that led to sort of wanting to explore it in a bigger way uh, on a feature scale. So we made the short you know, it did it played festivals, you know, it did pretty well. A lot of people thought that it was a good kind of teaser for a feature because it kind of leaves you wanting more. It's very abrupt the way it ends and uh, which is effective in a short, you know. And so like we then sort of like moved on into making it into a feature, just sort of like going back to these sort of true crime cases and kind of like fleshing it out more and more, you know, based on sort of what interested us from those cases. I don't know, Lauren, what else? Yeah, I mean, everything Chris said. We really wanted to create, like, this mood early on with this short, like, since we were, we both were interested in the same types of stories and these same types of, like, mysterious, suspenseful films. And so, like, starting off with a mood 
and like having these limitations, we thought we could do it very cheaply. And then we were lucky that um, a producer came on board that really helped us achieve that without making it too cheap or looking too cheap. And then we started, yeah, we started expanding it from there and from reading a bunch of true crimes and and really focusing on these characters and their journey and their road trip. And, not, and the short is just at the motel, the motel sequence in the feature. And so like we found that a lot of people were asking us questions after viewing the short about what happened to them and where they were going. And those were kind of ideas that we had in our head um, as we were developing the feature is like really expanding on that and focusing on really this boy's journey and, and what he's facing and, you know, focusing on a subjective, more subjective story than the, than the short was. Now you tend to lean towards darker storylines or darker uh, elements in film. So what is it about the dark side of <laughs> filmmaking? Is it that you like? I don't know. It's in- it's an interesting question. Cause like, I don't think we consciously kind of like, set out to make something really dark and it's funny because like you know we acknowledge like the movie is it is a dark film in a lot of ways and like i'm always kind of like slightly surprised a little bit when people are like well it's like really heavy really dark like really intense or whatever because like for us i think it's just about the characters and about the emotions and kind of about the subjective kind of experience that we're trying to to sort of depict you sort of like lose track of like i don't know the adjectives that go along with that for a viewer you know like the genre of it or like whatever and you just start thinking about it as if it's like a real experience in a way i think for us like i find myself constantly drawn to like these darker stories that often involve like teenagers and I think like maybe we both have this idea that being a teenager is a dark experience like growing up is like a really intense and dramatic time of your life maybe the most intense and dramatic time of your life when you're like still figuring out the world and who you are and what your place in the world is and you know what your sense of right and wrong is and yeah not who you are yeah like there's such a huge amount of sort of like every all the stakes in your life are so heightened during that time like everything's kind of a life or death sort of scenario for you at that age and so i think lauren and i are really sort of intrigued by that and kind of like want to tap into that dramatic tension that's inherent in that time of your life you know where everything feels like it's life and death i think what we try to do with the strange ones or with like lauren and i's other short film work we we try to kind of like create an experience for the viewer that kind of approximates that type of feeling, you know, like when you're, when you're that age and kind of like sort of respects it as like a legitimate kind of emotional feeling to have and not look down on it or think of it as much from like an adult perspective of like, you know, Oh, what a cute like experience. Like we want people to really kind of feel the intensity of what these emotions feel like when you're that age. So I guess like to answer the question is just like to us, it feels like really for whatever sort of personal reasons, it feels like, a really intriguing cinematic type of story to explore. We want it to be darker. <laughs> Who said no to it being darker? <laughs> Did you get like the producer said no? Or... No, our producers wanted it to be as dark as possible, actually. <laughs> well, but that brings me to James's character. Mm-hmm. One of the things, and this, I don't even know if this is a question as much as building on what you've said, but one of the things I've noticed about his character, he's at a point in his life where everything's sort of you're starting to change and you're starting to try to figure out where your place is in the world. And at least what I remember from being young and a teenager was you're sort of testing the water. So if I react like this, what's going to happen if I do this? Is it going to be taken as bad socially or, you know, this sort of social awkwardness? And that came across really well in the film. So I'm wondering 
I guess, A, how did you find James? Because he's really good. <laughs> but also, uh, how did you work with him to get this sort of, like you said, this uh, dark side that's sort of like the starting there, the main lair, yeah. but also him struggling with his his youth and his changes? Well, James James was kind of a revelation for us when he came into the casting room our casting director Jessica Daniels found him and brought him in and we were really struck by him because he didn't really do much uh, with his face in terms of indicating emotion in terms of really trying to tell us a certain thing it felt like there was a lot going on underneath the surface of his of his face and underneath um, that he was thinking that he was processing that his he was dealing with a lot of emotions without having to tell us exactly how he was feeling. And there was something very complex about that in him. And he just came out with this like raw energy that, that we knew that he was kind of the real deal of like, I think the other teenagers that we were seeing tended to, to want to express a lot more with their eyes and with their face. And, and James was very, was holding back, was very withholding about showing emotion. And by doing that, I think you can see that there's a lot going on that he's not showing. And that aspect we really liked about him, the fact that there's this whole mysterious side of him that we weren't really seeing and that like you can really see that on the screen as as him processing a lot of information and taking it all in. And and he's not he's not actually that sad (laughs) boy that you see in the film. He's like a very he's very expressive in real life and very um, emotive and, and very happy. And so it was kind of like night and day to see him act and to see him just be this this character and kind of transform when we were shooting the movie um and working with him just it it was nice to not like have to really you know direct his his emotions in any certain way he kind of really got the material right from the beginning yeah well i mean like we were able to kind of direct him and and um work with him the way we would with like an adult actor you know he was was, like for his age like really really good at taking direction and analyzing the material and you know approaching it in a really mature way like he he really was not intimidated by the tone of the material or the uh tone of the or the type of material it was which like a lot of kids wouldn't even read you know their agents wouldn't even let them read the script you know (laughs) but like uh with james like you know he was just like really okay with it um really mature about it and like he was down for all the kind of nuance that we wanted to create with his character so like he was really into like talking beat by beat like scene to scene like we were really able to sort of be very i I don't want to say like micromanaging but like he would really respond well to sort of minute direction about what kind of emotion we wanted to sort of be behind his eyes in a scene you know like he was just like really intelligent and mature about like processing that information and then giving us something that we could use how did you communicate some of these emotions to him because i'm i'm assuming he didn't have that background or that experience that the young boy went through and that's something i see a lot of actors pull on is oh i've experienced something similar or i've experienced you know something like this that i can sort of pull the emotions from so did you work with him to get particular emotions by relying on his previous experiences or how did how did you get him to tackle that yeah we didn't really talk to him about uh his own life or anything (laughs) or like his previous experiences i actually think like one of the well, one thing that we did like 
pretty early on before we even started shooting was we gave him like a list of movies to watch that we thought were good sort of references for like the the type of movie we were trying to make and tonally they were all sort of like with teenage boys with teenage boy protagonists that we thought were like useful kind of like touch points for for him as an actor to kind of look at and be like you know we're looking for something in this realm you know this world of like performance and character and so he watched those and it was you know it was like the 400 blows um paradigm park the return by uh, the russian film the return which was like a, i think his favorite of the ones that we we saw which is one of our favorites so like because he's so smart he was able to like look at all those movies and really kind of hone in on the range that we were looking for yeah and in terms of like the specifics of the material and how he had to access those things i think i don't know i like i don't really know like he's just good at acting like he's just like i think a lot of this has to do with his father um and mm-hmm. his the fact that his father comes from um an acting background a musical theater background um and really prepped james for all of this material and how dark it was going to be and so he knew coming in what that material was and i think a, a lot of back and forth with his father really helped and the support of his dad now one of the things in the film is that it's a mystery and you're slowly revealing all the elements as we as we go forward and you guys wrote directed and edited this um so i'm wondering how did you tackle revealing some of these mysteries without giving away any of the the ending essentially uh but not leaving us questioning or confused with the story because it obviously moves forward and progresses properly and you don't sort of leave us hanging but you, you wrap everything up nicely and you don't give away anything throughout the film so how did you approach writing this mystery i guess so that we're still on you know we're still engaged all the way to the end yeah um i mean that was the main question we had like all throughout the process it was like the the sort of main objective we had in our minds we were constantly with every decision that we made like you know writing the scene or like figuring out where to put the camera or then like where to make an edit like how is this contributing to the viewer's experience of like this mystery whether like are we giving away information are we giving away too much when's the right time to give stuff away like that was i think the first thing was on our minds like the entire the entire way through just because the the narrative of the film is so delicate in a way like the balance of information is very important to the experience of the film so i think a rule of thumb that lauren and i had from the very beginning was that we wanted everything that like every line of dialogue every scene every moment every shot to have potentially two or more readings you know which is like a kind of difficult thing to do like it was like maybe the most challenging very, aspect very of like ambitious for your first speech <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like um, we're making two films for one. Yeah, we have to, yeah, everything has to work in more than one way. And so, like, while challenging, that really helped us to sort of, like, discern what was contributing to, like, something being mysterious and contradictory. Or, like, when do we want to, like, more confirm one feeling or piece of information or something like that. So that rule kind of was, like, in our head when we were deciding pretty much everything, you know, like, where to put the camera and everything. But in mainly in the edit, because, like... In the edit is where you really can push and pull the levers of how you're telling the story and at what pace and it, you know, in terms of the mystery, like where you're revealing information, you know, you literally put put the ending at the beginning if you want or whatever, you know, and it's like Lauren and I found that we had a really special understanding of just between the two of us of how the mystery should work and like, 
Yeah, it's always great to get feedback and stuff, but like I think like it wasn't until like later, late in the process of editing, that our kind of like sense of how the mystery is working really kind of was emerging to people. And I think it's like a sort of touchy or difficult thing to try to edit because like anybody you show it to early on in the post process, they're just going to want more clarity like all the time. They're going to want everything. Yeah, they're just going to want information. They're going to want to understand everything like as early and as soon as possible and so like a lot of the post process for us was just sort of pulling back from that and kind of like taking a sort of wider view and really trying to understand the mystery that we were trying to convey and how exactly we needed to do that. And I I think it helped also to know that we were telling a story through this this kid's subjectivity and and exploring his experience on this road trip and and being triggered by his past and only giving a but only giving away what he's experiencing and how he's remembering the past. And that really helped inform the information we were giving away about the past, not being expository or not feeling like we're just giving backstory, but it, having it be about his experience with trauma and what he remembers and having that be fragmented or abstract. So now you mentioned that you went from writing to directing to editing this. So how did you guys keep perspective <laughs> and, not, and not lose your minds and sort of start trying to restructure or something. I think by the editing process, it was really, really difficult for us. The post <laughs> was really, really hard, but... Um, yeah, because we, we jumped into editing, like, <laughs> pretty much immediately after we wrapped the shoot. So, like, it was really <laughs> hard to, to keep our perspective throughout. And I think, like, Lauren and I had been working on this movie for so long by the time we got into the edit room that, like, our perspective... Actually, like, I think we thought we were losing perspective a lot more than we actually were. Thinking back on it, like, we were really worried, like, maybe we're too close, maybe we're not seeing it, like, we need to step back or whatever. But, like, when I think back on it, I think, like, we had done, we had been with the material for so long and prepped it for so long and, like, thought about it and discussed it. I think partially also because there's two of us, like, this really helped, you know, the fact that there were two of us to, like, we were always in dialogue with somebody about it. It's not like we were always just, like, in our own heads about it. So, like looking back, like, it it wasn't, like, you know, as big of a deal as we thought it was at the time, you know, Mm -hmm. like, we, we did have a pretty solid kind of um, perspective on it, like, in a vacuum, like, you know, beating our heads up against the wall, we had each other to bounce ideas off of each other. And Mm -hmm. like Chris said, we like understood the material so well, because we were with it for so many years, that Mm -hmm. we really came into to conflict with the material when we would show it to other people before it was ready. And other people wanted to inject their POV on like what the film should be when Chris and I knew all along what type mm. of movie we were making. It was really hard to articulate that without giving us the time to really shape mm. it into the film we wanted it to be. I think the fact that we were both sort of in the room together really helped that because like it wasn't just us sort of like disagreeing or sort of like having our own idea that only exists in our own heads of what kind of movie we were making we always kind of had a common sort of understanding of that and so like when we, we would get certain notes we'd be like oh i agree with that or like i don't think i agree with that do you and if we felt the same way we would know we were probably right so like i, I think it would actually be a lot harder if you were working solo to write direct and edit the way we did like i don't know like if i would necessarily recommend that for somebody on their own now i i I noticed that Lee Percy was involved in the mm. post process. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I know about Lee, I've only met him a couple times, but I know he's very focused on structure and very much wants to make sure that 
the film structures work works and he's also about taking a chance and restructuring a film mm-hmm. so i'm wondering uh was there much restructuring in post and did lee uh get involved in that yeah uh, a bit. So Lee came in sort of like at a point in our edit where Lauren and I had just been working like alone for a while on it and really wanted to get like a seasoned sort of perspective on the cut and like how it was working and the structure and stuff like that. And Lee came in and um, I would say like ultimately the movie is not, there are a few key restructuring kind of like points in the movie that are different from the script. There's a couple scenes that we sort of moved um, to different parts in the timeline of the movie. But, like, um, for the most part, the movie's pretty close to to the script. Like, the beginning, middle, and end are what they were in the script. And the, the scenes kind of play out the way we wrote them. Um, but Lee was really great in that he, I don't know, like, he, he was, he's, like, really gentle, but really, really intelligent and, like, was able to sort of watch the movie and get it, like, right away and, like, un- understand what we were going for. And he helped us kind of, like, open it up and kind of explore a lot more um, possibilities with the material than I think we previously had. So, like I said, like, I don't know if, like, there was anything majorly radical that came out of the in terms of restructuring that came out of working with lee but he really did like provide like a new it kind of kind of was like hitting the refresh button uh, yeah. working with lee he also found like these really great moments that we may have overlooked or may have not really given much thought to because we're so deep in the trenches with it that he yeah. kind of came in with new perspective and was like looking at our footage all fresh having not been on the set and could find mm-hmm. the moments between alex and James that we may have overlooked and that really helped. He helped do like a lot of really great scene work within um, certain scenes of just like little moments between behavior of the two characters. And it was really great to have him come on board. Yeah, we were really impressed with how he was able to very quickly sort of like scan the performances and like kind of pinpoint these like nonverbal, you know, really special sort of like just moments with like the character's eyes and sort of like interactions between the two of them. And I think uh, that really added a lot for us. Now I have one last question that I'd like to ask everyone I interview and that's what's your favorite guilty pleasure film to watch? Oh, <laughs> uh... guilty pleasure meaning like uh, you normally wouldn't like... share this with anyone. <laughs> <laughs> it, it wouldn't be up there with like 400 blows or the return, but it, you know, you, if you saw it on television, you'd watch it. Oh, that's a good one. That's a really, that's a good, really one. good question. Hmm. Guilty pleasure. I really enjoy Bridesmaids. Yeah, that's a great one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like, as you said, we're really drawn to dark material. So I think at any time I can watch a refreshing comedy where I can laugh, you know, Bridesmaids, any John Waters film, any trash cinema. Like I, I just really enjoy a good a good laugh because i we work with such dark material that would be my um, i don't know i have like a I, I guess the first thing that comes to mind i don't know if the, i actually don't think this is a guilty pleasure at all i think it's a really defensible and like it's actually a great movie but it's a lot of times like surprising to people that when i tell them that i really love this movie but um Thelma and Louise, the Ridley Scott movie, is like, I think, like, that's the movie. Anytime it's, like, on and I just, like, catch part of it, I I end up sitting and watching, like, the whole thing, you know, because it's just, it's actually, like, it's very different, I think, like, than than our movie, obviously. But, like, um, actually, I think there are some similarities when I really think about it. But, like, it's just such, like, a a great script and, like, really well-directed, obviously, and, like, you know, everything about it 
technically is like great but like i think about it when i when i think of like um the beginning of that movie and the end of the movie has such an insane arc like they're like normal a waitress and a housewife at the beginning and then at the end of the movie they're literally driving off a cliff you know it's just like <laughs> the craziest like arc ever and like it's just like you know it's like it's like a great character character driven sort of like script that has a huge arc and like it's like really easy to sort of like understand them and like identify with them and sort of understand like it's it really i don't know is effective in that regard um so i don't know i guess that would be my answer i don't think it's a guilty pleasure though i think it's a uh, a pleasure yeah a legit pleasure yeah. <laughs> well thank you guys so much for letting me interview yeah, thank, you, thank you so much so that was my interview with christopher and lauren i'd like to thank christopher and lauren for allowing me to interview them if you haven't had a chance check out the strange ones and if you want to get in touch with us or you have any questions you can get us at info at aotg.com or of course you can get us on facebook facebook.com slash aotg network or of course on twitter at aotg network i'm your host gordon burkell thanks for listening